big, big weekend for award shows. Both the BAFTAs and the Directors Guild Awards handed out this weekend. Joining us now, here's a film critic for the Toronto Star, Peter Howell, joins us once again here on the show. Hey there, Peter. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? Okay, thanks. Uh, before we get to the award shows, let's uh, mention uh, William Hurt, who passed away yesterday, we found out, at the age of 71. How yeah. is the uh, multiple Oscar nominee and Oscar winner being remembered, Peter? I think he's, you know, you know, he was quite an interesting guy. He had his reputation as being kind of aloof, but I actually ran into him at Sundance about 10 years ago, and he was just sitting by himself in a bar. And I, I asked him if I could join him, and we just chatted for an hour. Um, very approachable guy in many ways, but... Uh, he had this incredible range. He could play these sort of aloof characters, and he could also play these incredibly fiery individuals. Like he played, um, you know, there's this general he played in the Marvel Comics movies more recently. But he, in um, David Cronenberg's The History of Violence, he played um, a really, really bad gangster type guy, the, the brother of the protagonist. Um, so he was just he just had this incredible range that um, really spoke to what a great actor he was. And really known, of course, for a lot of movies in the early uh, 80s, thinking The Big Chill, uh, Body Heat in particular. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, the one that my favorite, and I recommend people to see it, especially today, because well, th- these days because of Russia's being in the news, it's Gorky Park, in which he plays um, a regular cop in, um, you know, in pre, pre, you know, Soviet Union at the time, Moscow, and he's investigating this really gruesome murder. Um, but then he, he gets caught up in, in, in battling the, the, the KGB. So um, great film that I recommend people see. Um, but he, he, he was he was one of the leading guys of the 80s became more of a character actor in the years that followed all right uh, meantime as i mentioned off the top just a jam-packed awards weekend with the uh, bafta awards and the directors guild awards being handed out peter and it looks as if a uh, power of the dog that kind of is emerging as the the oscar favorite uh, from this weekend yeah, it's funny. You know, it actually was the favorite about, I would say, about a month ago. It has, it has 12 awards, I mean, 12 nominations, um, most of the big ones, and it has four acting nominations, which is almost unprecedented. I mean, that, that shows you how strong the support is amongst the Actors Guild, which is the biggest part of the Oscar voters, right? But it lost a lot of heat over the last little while. Like, for example, CODA, which really coming on strong because of uh, how well it did in the SAG Awards. Um, but what happened over this weekend, it, it reconfirmed the power of the dog as the movie to beat, you know, your critics choice, which I actually vote in as, as part of that and the BAFTAs and the DGA. So, um, Jane Campion, pretty much a lead pipe cinch to win director and, uh, power of the dog looks really good to win for best picture now. All right. Have you got it as your favorite power of the dog? Or do you think it and Coda oh, yeah. are really going to battle it yeah, out? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, it, I mean, the funny thing about the Oscars is it's become way more unpredictable in the past few years. This will be the first year since like 2009 that you have 10 nominees. So, and you have roughly 10,000 voters now. So the vote, the voting can be really skewed and because it's a preferential ballot. So um, I think a lot of people will have that as their first choice, but then the second and third choices could really come into play and, and alter the, the outcome. So CODA is still one to, to beat and also uh, West Side Story could be, could be a, a late runner. Well, that didn't do very well at the box office. So it's it's going to be interesting, but I think Power of the Dog is pretty much the best one to win, and, and the one that should win. All right. Meantime, in the acting categories, after this weekend, again, with both the BAFTAs and the Directors Guild Awards being handed out, are there any favorites that are emerging there? Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's firmed up as well. Like, I think pretty much um, Best Actor is going to go to Will Smith for King Richard. You know, the um, it was between him and Benedict Cumberbatch, but I think it's going to be Will Smith. I mean, actress is interesting. It looks like it's going to be Jessica Chastain. That, that's the one category that's been the hardest to call. But Jessica Chastain, in the eyes of Tammy Faye, has really been doing well in the last few awards sequences, especially this past weekend. Um, supporting role, I think it's going to go to um, 
Let me see. To uh, Troy Kotzer in, in Coda, he'd be the first deaf actor to win the award. Um, I personally think it should go to um, you know um, Cody Smith McPhee in The Power of the Dog, but I think Troy's going to win. And in uh, supporting role, let's see. Um, well, I think it's going to be Ariana DeBose in West Side Story for Best Supporting Actress. So that's pretty much firmed up those categories now. All right. Uh, meantime, I want to ask you about this as well. I was reading this over the weekend, and it's something we've talked about, mused about on our show from time to time, about uh, actors playing people that we know so well, real-life uh, people. You just mentioned uh, Jessica Shastain and Will Smith there uh, a moment ago, both uh, nominated for playing people that uh, we have known that have been in the public uh, consciousness. That's right. <laughs> there is a, I don't know, a thought out there, and I love your take on this, Peter, whether or not there should be an Oscar, a special Oscar for playing a quote-unquote real person. What do you think? You know, I, I, I don't think it's that great an idea because a lot of the actors do play real persons, you know, like Gary Oldman playing Winston Churchill, right, a few years ago. Um, those are already the awards that get the most attention if you do a really good job playing a real person. So to, to add a separate category to that, seems to me pointless and um, kind of belittling the, the main role. But you know what a category they should have? They should have um, people who don't appear on the camera that actually play a character, like Andy Serkis playing Gollum in, in uh, the, Lord, the Lord of the Rings and you know, in The Hobbit. Um, mm. That's a category that really should be uh, in, in created as people who do really good digital creations. Because um, I think that's a really glaring omission. But the idea of sort of somehow subdividing the acting category so that because you played a real person is deserving of uh, greater attention. I don't know. It's like that nutty idea a couple of years ago they wanted to have the, the most popular movie category. Uh, I mean, the Oscars actually seriously floated that idea, but uh, that, w- that was another non-starter. Is that as opposed to best picture? There's, yeah, there could know, be best, best picture and then there could be most popular. Yeah, you have best picture and then you have most popular. So, so like this year, for example, you might get the power of the dog win, but then you'd have uh, Spider Man would win for best for most popular. But you know, then you've got two basically best pictures, and you're creating this kind of cast system. Um, it the more you divide roles, the more you weaken them. Generally speaking. All right. You know, it is interesting to note, just back to playing a real person for a quick second here, that uh, five of the nominees for Best Actress this year all played real people, people That's that right. uh, we, we have known. And uh, I'm wondering what your take is as uh, somebody who's uh, watched film and been a film critic for, uh, you know, some time now. Is it like one of the toughest assignments for an actor is able to be able to embody and portray somebody that is so well known by the public, do you think, Peter? It's funny, I've, I've, I've actually asked that question many times to actors when I've interviewed them, and um, they say that it's both the most exciting challenge and the greatest challenge. Like, I actually interviewed the real Tammy Faye. I mean, this is, this is something like out of the metaverse. There, there was an Eyes of Tammy Faye documentary, and I talked to the real Tammy Faye, and then I talked to uh, Jessica Chastain about playing Tammy Faye, and she had never met Tammy Faye, so we got into this interesting discussion. She wanted to know what I thought of the real Tammy Faye and, you know, that kind of stuff. But... Um, I think they. I think it, it's a challenge that excites a lot of actors. The thought of playing a really interesting person from history, but it also terrifies them. And you, you can you can do it really well, or you can really trip up on it. And um, you know that that's what makes it interesting. But to make it a separate category, I just see so many problems there, and so many. Um, it would it would weaken the main impact of, of best actor and best actress. Yeah, you got to walk such a tightrope, don't you, when you're uh, portraying a character that's a real person that people uh, know because you don't want to cross over into just being, uh, you know, I guess a caricature. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I know you're a fan of being the Ricardos, but uh, for example, Nicole Kidman, I, I can't see her as Lucille Ball. I mean, I, I just, that, that to me, that, that ruins that whole movie. It's just, it's just not her. But I think, for example, Kristen Stewart plays a tremendous lady, Diane Spencer. 
although I know a lot of people who hate her performance in Spencer. So there's there's, there's interesting reactions this year. There's some, there's some really strong reactions to, to her performances this year. And it'll make the uh, Oscars uh, that much more interesting to a watch as they are Absolutely. fast approaching. Peter, appreciate the time as always. Thanks for doing this. Pleasure. Talk to you. Okay. Yep. Bye-bye. You too. Peter Howell, film critic for the Toronto Star, joining us. And we're back after this. You're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.